Welcome back to the Fantasy Baseball Buds Podcast. We are recording on March 21st, which is a Sunday. We are one week away from our live draft. I'm Matt, your host. Here today with me is my co-host, Richie. We're going to kick it off with our icebreaker. So, Richie, big icebreaker today is going to be your favorite video game of all time and why. Ah, there's so many good ones. Um, Obviously, any Call of Duty um, sticks out, Modern Warfare probably, or um, Grand Theft Auto San Andreas for the PlayStation 2 probably sticks out the most. I played that game so much growing up and beat the campaign. Um, Yeah, that's probably why is because I actually finished the campaign in that one as opposed to others I kind of tail off or get about halfway done and a new video game comes out but what about you Matt? Yeah you brought up uh, Grand Theft Auto and that kind of threw me for a loop. I was originally going to go like original Pokemon games right for the Game Boy back when we were children because they were so addictive and you know it was such a need to like literally catch them all. But I would say Grand Theft Auto Vice City is hands down my favorite video game. If I could buy Vice City right now and just start playing and doing the campaign, I'd probably take like a week off of work and just rock it out. (laughs) But let's transition. Let's uh, let's start off with our bold predictions. I kind of overview what we're doing today. We're doing bold predictions, as I had just mentioned. We're going to talk about our starting pitching and relief pitching like strategy, kind of the lack of depth in our league. And then to wrap today, we have our live auction draft next Sunday, which we're very excited about. Richie and I are going to talk about our strategies, where our budgets are at, and kind of what we're thinking is going to happen in that draft. But Richie, I want you to go ahead and kick it off with your bold predictions. You know, Take as much time as you want. Just go ahead and list them out and, and tell me why you're thinking what you're thinking. Yeah, so my first one, which you probably don't like, um, is I think Max Scherzer will finish as a top three starting pitcher in any format this year. And the reason why is, one, he's been killing it in spring training. And just the fact that they're talking about the, the dead ball era coming back. And one of the things that he struggled with last year was the home run ball. And I think health aside, if he stays healthy... All of his peripherals looked good, and um, yeah, that's there's no other reason besides that to doubt him. Yeah, I mean, I definitely don't agree with that. You know, I have my bias with Max Scherzer, and um, I I really do think injuries are going to strike. And um, yeah, we'll see. You know, I think bold prediction being top three is is very possible if he's healthy. And you're right, he's looking great in spring. And I, I often get caught up in the spring training numbers, and I have in the past few podcasts. I'm starting to realize and remind myself is that spring is spring is spring. These guys are working on things. You have batters in there that are also working on things. Well, we'll see over the first month what Max Scherzer can do. What about you? What's your first bold prediction? I'll list off a couple of them um, from the hitting perspective. These are just simple numbers from a bold, bold uh, prediction. I have Jordan Alvarez bouncing back with 40 home runs this year and a 300 batting average. Those numbers actually in my predictions are uh, much deeper. I think he's going to have close to an MVP season. I think Aaron Judge wins AL MVP this year, 45 home runs, 120-plus RBIs to take that AL crown. And then from my NL perspective, I actually have Bryce Harper taking home the NL MVP. 
which is obviously a homer pick. I'm a big Harper fan, but I really believe that his numbers last year were showcasing a much better batting average. I think he hits anywhere from 35 to 43 home runs, and in that lineup is going to drive in maybe 120 RBIs. What do you got for me next, Richie? My next one is going to be Ian Anderson finishes a top 10 starting pitcher. He was great last year um, in the postseason. He was phenomenal. I think with the innings concerned around some of these high-profile pitchers that are going ahead of him, like Blake Snell, Tyler Glass now, uh, Walker Bueller even, I think he can go more innings than any of those guys and be more consistent with the strikeouts and limit the walks. And I think he is a true breakout this year. Yeah, I love Anderson. Anderson is a guy that I actually moved, as we've talked about another podcast, either a season or two ago. I think Ian Anderson's just a fantastic talent. And again, kind of hinting on the CBS podcast guys, there was one of them that said he would be a top uh, four rotational pitcher, you know, slide into that three, four rotational spot. And, um, this was the profile I had seen three years ago in the minors from Anderson, which was a top-tier elite starting pitcher. And I think the Braves have a really good one. And I'm happy that the industry wasn't as high on him because he's a guy that I, I really take, um, at least for my own credit for because I love. But I also shouldn't have traded him. So I think you're right on with Ian Anderson. And if it's not this year, it will for sure be next year. Nice. What's your next bold prediction? I'll throw two more of them out there. I have Omar Navarez for the Brewers finishing as the number two catcher in points formats. I have him going for 25 home runs, a 280 batting average, over 80 RBIs. I think he performs better than Contreras in Chicago, um, Grandal also in Chicago. I think he finishes either underneath JT Real Muto or Will Smith. I expect one of those players to be the number one catcher. Um, I'm thinking injuries might hamper Real Muto, though. So as of right now, I have Will Smith, Navarez, and JT as my one, two, three. My second um, bold prediction on this little list, Zach Plesak loses his rotational spot by July. Now that is a bold prediction. I think he a loses it. Yep. Go ahead. A lot of people have him as a breakout, and I, I don't see it. I'm with you. I don't think that's extreme, but that's why it's a bold prediction. My next bold prediction is... Cabrian Hayes leads all third basemen in batting average this year. Um, we've talked about it before. His hit tool is just through the roof. I believe um, MLB gave it the highest rating that he could have, and it's always been power that he's been lacking. Around 300 throughout his minor league career, and it clearly looks like he's transitioning to MLB well. Yeah, I'm really excited to see what Cabrian can do this year. We've talked about him in length, so I won't go too deep into it, but I think leading the league in an average at third base is going to be a little bit of a challenge. You got a lot of really good hitters at that position. And again, that's why it's a bold prediction. Give me another one, Richie. My next bold prediction is Cody Bellinger finishes outside the top five at first baseman. I think with his injury and him tweaking his batting stance, I think he finishes behind uh, people like Luke Voigt, who is going to hit way more homers. I think he could even fall behind Pete Alonso. I also am high on Vlad Guerrero, lost weights, doing great in spring training. I think he rises through the ranks and has that um, breakout year, or at least I'm hoping. So we'll see how that goes. Yeah, we'll see. I Bellinger, the last couple springs, has been a little rough. He changed his batting stance last year, obviously. Now this year he's changing his batting stance again. Coming back from that shoulder injury, which he hurt himself in the playoffs doing a celebration, it will be definitely interesting to see what happens with Bellinger this year. I'll go ahead and knock out a few more of mine. 
Uh, I have Jose Ramirez as a 30, 20, 300 this season. 30 home runs, 20 steals, 300 batting average. I think if it weren't for his team's lack of success in the win column this year, he would be possibly challenging Judge for that MVP. I think Jose Ramirez has an absolute fantastic season. Next one, I have uh, Corbin for the Nationals. Patrick Corbin with a 4-plus ERA, and I'll even go as far as to say 4.5. I think you see some regression this year. I think next year he's probably out of the rotation in the bullpen and long relief. I think his lack of velocity is really going to change the way that you've seen him pitch, which you've already started to see over the last couple of years. I think Corey Kluber has a season-ending injury by the end of May. Bobby Dahlbeck, I have hitting 30-plus home runs with a batting average under 220 for the Red Sox. And I have Ty France as an MVP finalist. I like it. A lot to digest. I think my next one is going to be Denelson Lamette does not pitch more than 50 innings this year. I think he's going to ramp up. Um, he's maybe going to do three, four innings to start. And then he's going to ramp up to five or six. And I think with his forearm issue and... I believe he was recommended for Tommy John before the end of the season and decided to rehab instead. I think it just flares up. Um, There is already talk that he might not make it for the opening day. He's somebody I'm staying away from. And then I'm going to go out on a limb here, and I'm just going to say Rysel Iglesias leads the league in saves this year, pitching for the Angels. Um, They've got a decent team, not the greatest, so I think they're going to be in a lot of close matchups where he's going to be relied on. He's pretty much the only true reliever they have, and they're paying him like a closer. So um, I think he's got that job locked down. Yeah, I think Iglesias is is a great pick for that this season. I think, as you said, they spent a lot of money on him. Joe Madden being their manager is really going to lean on him to fill his role, and I don't think with Madden, as we've seen in the past, He's willing to let guys pitch. He's not too afraid of you know injuring the arm or you know babying a player. I think he sends Iglesias out there 60-plus times this year, um, not necessarily in close opportunities every time, but I think you see a lot of appearances from Iglesias this season. So that is our bold predictions for this year. We have them written down. We will recap our bold predictions at the end of the season. Again, these are meant to be kind of outlandish and at times a little bit extravagant. I know both of us also had some things that are a little bit more realistic, but as we go through the season, we're going to kind of track this. We're going to be able to keep each other kind of accountable, I guess. And um, whoever has the most, I guess, correct is going to have a little bit of a prize at the end of the year. Richie and I will have to have that conversation as the season goes on. So how how do you you want to do this? Because you clearly had more predictions than I did so do you want to go based on percentages or just strictly number that are right well I just think we go with whoever had the most right and that means I'll win so that sounds great to me um, <laughs> no but I think what we can do is we'll we'll just be honest with each other and say okay who had the, like who had the best ratio you know since I had like nine or ten and I think you had seven six or seven you know All right, I'll throw one more at you what do you got I think uh, James Karinchek loses his uh, closer role before the all-star break you think that's bold i i think you need to do it within like the end of april if it's bold <laughs> all right by by the end of may i don't know that i can uh, i'll give that one to you all right end of may all right we're going to transition here we're going to be moving on to starting pitching and relief pitching scarcity kind of maybe the approach people should take in roto or points 
and kind of our approach. So, Richie, I'm going to let you kick it off. What's your approach to starting pitching in a roto league and in a points league? What are you looking for specifically in each league? And so what are some of the names that you absolutely want to target or, you know, go after in each of your drafts? Yeah, and I'll start with uh, uh, points leagues first just because that's primarily what we play in. Um, I think my overall strategy is I want to try to get two of the top 10 starting pitchers. Um, that's my goal. I like having that anchor, that rock at the beginning. So typically I'm probably going to be drafting two starting pitchers within the first three rounds, um, if not the first four, depending on um, where I am in the snake draft. If it's auction, I'm willing to spend $70 on those top two pitchers. And then from there, I kind of like um, filling in um, either a mix of old reliable guys, possibly like uh, Kyle Hendricks, Zach Greinke, you know, they're not going to finish the, you know, they're not going to ever be top 10, but you know, they're never going to fall but behind that top 30. They're always going to be that reliable person that you can just count on, set it and forget it. And then I like filling the tail end of my rotation with some of those young guys that we've talked about, like uh, Ian Anderson, Jesus Lazardo, Sixto Sanchez. They're obviously further down after that uh, pick 100 range, but they have the upside of getting in that top 10, top 15. So we can talk about the, the top 100 guys all, all we want, but kind of people who I'm looking at um, in that middle range to fill that back end rotation are players like what I just mentioned, Anderson, Lazardo, but others, um, Sandy Alcantara, um, you know, he's good to pitch a perfect game in the playoffs against Matt. Um, Sixto Sanchez, we've mentioned. Um, Julio Urias on a normal year, I would, but with the uh, Dodgers, you never know what they're going to do. Pablo Lopez, um, pl- things like that. I'd probably even go Aaron Savale after that. I don't really feel comfortable with any of the starting pitchers in my starting five. What about you, Matt? Let's go. Let's go with points first, and then we'll talk about roto and head to head and how we cat how we would target starting pitchers. Yeah, I share the same opinion. I think you do. Um, in, a, in a points league, I want I want one of the best, and presumably this is how I, I uh, attack points league. I want the best players that are going to get wins. Jacob Degrom for me is a really nice player. And the Mets are a much better team than they have been in past. So I think you're going to finally see DeGrom push that 18 to 20 wins this season. So this season, I think he definitely falls in line with Cole. But I want wins. I want strikeouts. I want innings. And then finally, I want ERA. Not so much worried about the ERA if I can get the other things. So I'm looking at Cole and DeGrom as my first-round guys. I'm going to draft them if I'm anywhere from first to, you know, I guess six because they're flying off the board pretty quickly. But... Trevor Bauer is going to be kind of sitting between 6 and 10, I'd say, for me. I'm not touching Darvish in the first round this year. I do think Darvish is going to have a fantastic year, but the age is a little bit of a concern for me. Um, But I'm not going to go ahead and draft a second-tier pitcher right away. I'm going to take a big name in the first round, and if I can't get him, I'll take a guy like Darvish in the second or maybe take a couple guys in the third and the fourth. And I'm going to fill my rotation and my bench with high upside guys, kind of as you had mentioned, Pablo Lopez, Sandy Alcantara. If there's value there in a guy like Kyle Hendricks, I'm okay with it. I'll steer clear of guys like Zach Grinke. I think Kershaw, late second round, is a really good option if you miss out on those first few guys in the draft. But going into um, 
a categories league, Roto League, I'm a completely – what was that? I was just going to say before we move on, uh, the only thing I want to mention is that if you don't get two top uh, starting pitchers in the top ten this year, I just don't like what's in that middle, like Jack Flaherty question mark. Um, with his performances have been up and down. Walker Bueller workload concerns. Kenta Maeda, I could go. I could get behind that. Woodruff, possibly Gallen. You know, we're pegging him to be a breakout, but as your number two this early, Lance Lynn, he's kind of old. Snell, Glasnow, Strasburg, injury and workload concerns. So that rounds out top ten through the twenty. So it's not as reliable as getting one of the two of the top ten guys. Yeah, and I, I, I think I share that opinion outside of Darvish. You know, for me, is is that guy in between maybe four or five to ten, and he scares me. Um, and, you know, Blake Snell scares me. Some of these guys that are up there, you know, like you had said, one through 20, are really putting me in a position where injury risk and this and that. I think through the mocks that I've seen this year, there's a lot of hitting talent that you can capitalize on if you can get DeGrom, Bieber, or... Cole, right? I mean, if you can load up on one of those high-end guys, you know you're locked. And we've shared this opinion through the years. You've seen it with your team. I've seen it over the last couple of years. When you have one of the top three pitchers in the league, every single week, the other opponent has someone to be afraid of because they know that they're going to get a win. Are they going to get 10 strikeouts? Are they going to go seven innings? And with pitching being such a, an issue this year with possibly 150 innings as a cap, I'm looking this season for more hitters, but I do definitely understand your approach of getting two within the top 10. Yeah, and I think there's only going to be a select few that go past 150, and I think those are going to be the people in the top 10, and that's why I think it's even more important to to grab those guys and kind of skip on that, I want to say middle tier, because they're still in the upper echelon, but you, you get what I'm saying. So, Richie, if you were to kind of position your top 10 pitching um rankings right now who would you have I, I think my top 10 uh, goes Garrett Cole Shane Bieber Jacob deGrom Max Scherzer Trevor Bauer Lucas Giolito Clayton Kershaw Yu Darvish and then Aaron Nola Kenta Maeda okay so I'm gonna do a little game with you Richie and we're gonna do this outside of Trevor Bauer okay okay and we're going to do it in a points league, second round, third round. I'm going to try my best to give you guys that would be in similar positions and possibly available. Bryce Harper or Lucas Giolito, who are you drafting? Who did I take in the previous round? In the first round, did I take a pitcher or did I take a hitter? We're gonna we're just going to go off simply by name, okay? Because okay. because okay. I think Giolito is that first tier where it's really 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 questionable. So, if you were to take in the second round for an option, would you take Bryce Harper or Lucas Giolito? I think I'd take Lucas Giolito. Okay. Would you take... Uh, would you take Trey Turner or would you take Kenta Maeda? In a points league, I'd take Maeda. In a rotor wow. categories, I'd take Turner. So you really are, you really are giving pitching a strong... A strong wheel here, and I, I respect Correct. that. Um, I think it's I think it's a risk. I like your list. I would agree with it. I think the only thing I would switch is your six seven. I would rather have Kershaw. I think at six, Giolito scares me because of his blow up games. 
Um, you know, he, he is an emerging pitcher, though. He could easily, I could see him falling inside the top five with Scherzer being back beyond the, the top 40 pitchers this season. <laughs> but we'll see. All right, Richie, next question. Second round, Christian Yelich, points league, or Darvish? I think I take Darvish. Wow. Okay. Um, third round. Third round here. Okay. And this is probably first, maybe one or two in the third round. Manny Machado or Kenta Maeda? Kenta Maeda. Wow. I disagree. Um, very different approaches I think we have and how we're going to do things this year. This will be fun to kind I, of watch how it plays out. Here, here's, here's my my feeling on that, though. Out of all the players you listed, those starting pitchers, I feel, are the safest, most secure, most guaranteed to get you that 150 innings where the back tier don't. Whereas somebody like Harper, I can wait and maybe get in a Zuna or an Aaron Judge a pick or two or a round or two later. Instead of Turner, I can get a Correa or Torres three rounds later. Instead of, well, Yelich, same thing as Harper, but uh, Manny Machado, I can wait till the third or fourth round and get uh, Arenado or Devers, who I think are closer to filling that gap with Manny Machado than my Ada is over those starting pitchers. And that's why I go that one, go that route. No, that's completely respectable. You know, and I, I think that's that opinion is shared by a lot of people in the industry. Um, and I think it's something that we're probably going to fight on in our draft on Tuesday where we have options to, to play with. Well, um, well, that's different because in that head-to-head points league, pitching is structured differently where it doesn't get scored as much and hitting, it gets a boost. So I think we'll be okay in that regard. Okay, question then. To start the... Okay, to finish the end of the third round, you have an option to take German Marquez, and this is, again, a points league. So German Marquez or Pete Alonso. Pete Alonso, just because I don't think German Marquez is even a, a top five or top five round pitcher. Yeah, I would agree with that. You can't start him when he's at home. It's almost impossible. Let's switch over. Let's transition to relief pitching now. Kind of, I want to get your your take on it, your approach, um, what you're maybe be thinking about this season, and you know maybe your approach going into this coming draft. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so regardless of format, um, what I like to do is I like to get one of the top five closers, and then wait and kind of get um, somebody who's. Um, not necessarily in that 5 to 15 range, but in that 15 to 20 range where they're the starter and they have um, that ability to prove themselves. So, for instance, in our league, um, I was grateful enough to pick up Liam Hendricks and have him super cheap. And the options that are going to be available in our draft next week are going to be the names like Karinchek, Will Smith, Nick Anderson, Amir Garrett, Montero, and... I think I'm going to be passing on Karinchek and Will Smith just because the price is going to be too much, unless I can get them for a bargain. And I might take a shot at one of the players like Nick Anderson, Amir Garrett, Rafael Montero, one of those guys who are on a, a crappier team, but they're not necessarily the best closer, but they could get saves and get you some solid points, at least a Band-Aid until you find out somebody else who takes a team, one of those high setup uh, relievers who just haven't had their chance to prove themselves. What about you, Matt? What's your approach to relief pitching? Kind of similar. Um, 
ever since I played in the, I think it was the semifinals against you a few years ago, you had Carlos Martinez, and I think at the time, Liam Hendricks. Um, I made the realization that when I'm looking to fill my relief spots, I'm not looking to fill them from April to August. I'm looking to fill them for September, which is a very hard task because you're asking that player, obviously, not to lose his job. So with that being said, I'm looking to take one player, which I have this year in Chapman, that's going to get me to September. I'm looking for my second player for the team to be in the playoff hunt where he's pitching four to five times a week, maybe three to four times in all reality. And that's going to be this year, Trevor Rosenthal for the athletics. I think they have a chance at the wild card. They might even have a chance at the division title. But if they're going to have those aspirations, they're going to absolutely need a dominant reliever, and they're going to need to use him in September. And you saw that in Liam Hendricks over the last couple of years. When push came to shove, they were willing to roll him out there almost every day if they needed to to get those wins. And Rosenthal, much like Hendricks, is a big strikeout performer. I'm going to be looking throughout the year to pick up one more player on a team that I feel like will be pushing and vying for a playoff spot deep in September, knowing that come playoff time, I'm going to want a guy in there that's going to really perform for me. And again, this year in points points leagues, head-to-head leagues, there are very, very few sparps. I think we will see players throughout the year gain that uh, SPRP eligibility, guys like Tony Gonsolin, Dustin May, uh, just to name a few. And I think those guys might not be a bad option for you, again, to get you to September. But unless those players are looking like a top 25 starting pitcher come September as, as Sparps, you're not going to want to put them in there. I think Corbin Burns was probably the best Sparp in my recollection in the past couple of years. What would you think of that, Richie? Yeah, he did wonders for me in my relief pitcher spot. I got very blessed with Jesus Lazardo and Corbin Burns as my relievers last year. Um, but I, I do like the point that you made about a team that's vying for that wild card or playoff spot. I would like to say stay away from teams that aren't going to be competing like the Pittsburgh Pirates with Richard Rodriguez or the Kansas City Royals and Greg Holland, Joe Camsoria of the Diamondbacks and Daniel Bard of the Rockies. They may be the closer and they may get saves, but how often are they really going to be put in that role? And that's what worries me. And they're not even elite closers. And the one time that they do show up, they could blow up for two, three earned runs and get you negative points or negative ratios. And it's just not worth the risk. You're better off just getting a a high leverage uh, reliever like Devin Williams of the Brewers later on. Yeah, very nice. So, Richie, let's transition. Let's go to Roto. Let's go to categories. We're going to start off with starting pitcher. I want to hear kind of your draft strategy and how you want to structure your starting rotation. Yeah, this has been something that I've toyed around with. I I typically play in head-to-head categories leagues more than Roto. Um, the same concept, though, same similar structure as far as I, I believe a lot of them have uh, two starting pitchers with, uh, I believe, four pitching spots and two relievers. So what I like to do is fill the two reliever spots, um, getting those in this format. I like to get two of the top 10 relievers so that I can get saves, ERA, lockdown, and whip because you know they're going to be good for those ratios. Um, And the other thing that I've been doing is I've been experimenting. What I found so far to work is you still get that top tier pitcher, but 
try to either punt in a category like steals early and just get rid of it. Obviously in Roto, you have to find it somewhere because that's over the course of the season. But in head-to-head categories, you can punt steals and um, win in all the other categories. So in that format, I like getting players like uh, a Ronald Acuna, Fernando Tatis um, for Roto, and then in your second, third picks, going and getting a starting pitcher. Um, and then from there, you can kind of wait on starting pitcher and get one of those um, solid guys like Kyle Hendricks that I mentioned earlier that are going to be solid and not necessarily be at the top or the bottom, but they're going to give you those solid numbers. Yeah, I, I think I share the same exact strategy. And it comes to Roto, it's a very balanced approach. Uh, I think if you can get a DeGrom or you can get a Cole in the first round and you really want to lock those guys up, what you're going to want to do is play the Roto, the waiver wire all year, and you're going to want to be streaming guys constantly. Because if you're going to take Cole in the first round, as you said, you're passing up on guys like Acuna and guys like Tatis and, and guys like Freddie Freeman who are going to provide you great counting stats. And I think taking a pitcher there is just a bit of a risk. But for categories, I go in hard. First first pitcher off the board. If it costs me 60 to $70, as you had said in an auction draft, I'll do it. Now, in past years, I have gone two. I went Garrett Cole and DeGrom last year in a categories league with the idea of dominating pitching, and I did it. I won the league. But I also did the same strategy as I had mentioned in Roto, where I really played the waiver wire constantly. Every week I was looking to pick up a guy that was hot so that I could get an extra home run or a couple extra stolen bases, and it caused me to always be watching my phone, which isn't really something I like to do in fantasy baseball. I prefer to be able to like relax and really enjoy my time as I play, as opposed to being like a waiver wire hound. But I think when you're looking at categories, you got, as you said, you have to go with guys with high strikeout percentages, low whips, and ultimately minimizing damage. And I think a guy to maybe target this year and maybe is your number two if you can is Zach Gallen. I think he's going to give you a low whip. I think he's going to give you possibly wins. And you're really going to keep your ERA in check. And you can surround him with relievers and set up guys that get those high-volume strikeouts to kind of make up for what he doesn't add. What do you think for relievers in that format, Richie? Maybe in a save yeah. slash holds, you know, you can kind of talk about your own approach here. Yeah, I think what you mentioned is key because every time I've done really good in a head-to-head categories or roto league, it's because I've been on the wire. And anytime there's a closer change, I've always been the hawk to grab that guy right away. And usually these are leagues where it's daily, so you can slide those guys in. Um and they can fill those pitcher spots, and then you can just sub out your uh, starting pitchers when they're due to pitch that day. And usually I start with probably three to four relief pitchers because I, I like having those top two solid guys that are going to be my relievers every every week. Um, and then I just kind of filter in and out of those other guys. Um, and that's kind of the approach I take. But the other thing I find myself with is, I don't know if it's just the leagues I play in, but or because it's head-to-head categories and roto, is I find myself kind of other players kind of shying away from the young prospects who are coming up because there's such a high variance with them that I always find myself 
grabbing those prospects as they're getting some AAA hype or right as they're getting up. I'm always the one getting them. And sometimes it's hurt me because I rolled the dice and I started Carter Keyboom for two weeks and he just shits the bed and now I just hurt my ratios for the week. Um, other times it helped me out to win the league because I picked up Juan Soto when he got up. So it varies. Um, I think taking those risks on those young guys are very beneficial and don't let that variance of the boomer bust kind of dictate like how you're season goes well and there's other things too with that you know if you can grab a grom or a cole or a bieber in the first round and you can get aaron judge in the third round and aaron judge stays healthy you're looking at a a top you know five or six pick in in categories yes he doesn't give you steals but he gives you obp batting average home runs rbis gives you everything else right and those are the guys that you really have to hit on if you're looking to grab a pitcher right away otherwise yeah i like to do the same approach with the prospects i'll have two bench spots allocated to just guys that i think are going to provide me great value right away because oftentimes players perform like ryan braun did in his rookie season where they come up they can crush fastballs pitchers throw it to him you get three great weeks out of them and maybe that's something that Cabrian Hayes has had over the last you know month, month and a half sample size with spring training in last year, where pitchers just don't know how to throw to him yet. Or maybe he's the real deal, but either way, what you'd be getting from Cabrian Hayes is amazing value at that third base position. And for the most part, last year, you didn't have to fight anybody for him. You're talking about a guy that could technically have won you a championship by just statistically being in the lineup. So a lot of different approaches. I think starting pitching in either category or points is a very hard game there's a lot of question marks outside of those big names for relievers richie what do you like to do in categories leagues who are you going to really go after for maybe some setup man or or, uh, bullpen arms that may have high strikeouts this year yeah i think going in with the approach of grabbing one of those guys who it's they're kind of in a committee like a jordan hicks or giovanni gallegos or a matt barnes adam adovino those guys are going to be lower and if you're playing in a setup or if you're playing in a hold slash saves league it doesn't matter um, because these guys are either going to be the eighth or ninth inning guys so either way they're getting work they get lower values um, in standard leagues but because they're in a committee and they're fighting against each other you know one of them is going to show up and so i think that carries more value for those guys I would agree, and I think in saves and holds leagues, those are mostly predominantly what I play in nowadays because saves were so outlandishly overvalued in just simple saves leagues. There are guys like Devin Williams every season that come up and perform at an amazing level. You've just got to play the waiver wiring categories. You know, like I think that's the biggest thing we can take away from this conversation is if you're not on the waiver wire, if you're not keeping up with what every team is doing, if you're not looking at box scores, you're going to fall behind because you're going to miss Devin Williams. You're going to miss some of these players on the Cubs this season that are going to come into roles of the closer position because Roman Wick is out. So just keep an eye on the box scores, kind of see the the ratios and how these guys are doing. But again, saves and holds, you're going to have a lot of opportunity. Sit back, do a little research before the draft, maybe grab two or three guys where you like their ratios, and then sit on the waiver wire. Yeah, the other ones I want to mention is Archie Bradley and Hector Neris of the Phillies. Uh, I believe they're still in a role. It looks like Hector Neris has the lead, but either way, um, he could stand out. And the other one I'm keeping an eye on is Kirby Yates in Toronto. I don't 
know who's behind him at the top, but he's an injury risk, and if he goes down, that is a team looking to compete, and whoever fills that role at closer um, is definitely valuable. And then lastly, Tyler Rogers um, of Minnesota. He's in a competition. It sounds like they're going to be in a committee with Alex Colomay, and I believe Tyler Duffy's in the mix as well. Any of those three guys will be great and can give you solid ratios on a team that um, may compete for the AL Central. Romero is the guy for the Blue Jays who would take over for Yates, if I am correct. He's a young prospect. I want to say he's under 25. Um, Big arm, has a lot of opportunity. But again, Kirby Yates is a great pitcher coming off an injury. We'll see if he can hold on to that job, I think. So transitioning here, Richie, to finish off the, the podcast today, we're going to talk about our upcoming draft kind of what we're going to be looking to do. Um, so why don't you go ahead and tell the listeners how much money you have left and what positions you're looking to fill and kind of your approach and which, how you're looking to spend. Yeah, and I, I think we briefly talked about this last podcast, but it, as it sits right now, I'm going to have $35 in our auction draft to fill four spots. So my initial plan for second base is I'm just going to go and get what falls to me for pretty much $5 or less, um, whether it be a Nick Solak or Mike Moustakis or David Fletcher or somebody who can fill the band-aid because I do have Tommy Edmond who will gain second base eligibility who I think is maybe a top 13 second baseman. Um, but he's enough to fill the gap and be comparable um, batting leadoff for the Cardinals. He'll get a lot of runs um, and he'll bat for a decent average, probably 270 if I had to guess, which I think will be good enough to be um, serviceable. But I'll also have to fill relief pitcher. Um, We briefly talked about who I'm going to be targeting. So um, I have no idea what I'm going to spend on that. Haven't looked, but I do have to fill a utility spot for batter and I'll have an extra bench spot. Um, I'm kind of playing the wait and see game because there's a lot of people in our league who have like $140 to fill four spots. And I truly believe some of the higher end starting pitcher like Noah Syndergaard and Eduardo Rodriguez and there's a few others that I'm blanking on are going to go for well over $50. So I'm hoping to maybe get one of those middle tier, um, add some depth to my starting pitchers, maybe get a guy for twenty to thirty dollars, and then um, we'll see we'll see how that goes. And then I'll just probably just grab a utility guy for a dollar or two and take it from there. What about you, Matt? Tell the listeners what your overall strategy is going to be for next week's draft. We are a little under two hours away from keepers being locked. Um, I'm going to be very intrigued to see who is kept and who is not. I think that'll help persuade my decision making. Uh, I have three positions to fill, if I remember correctly. Nope, I have four. Uh, I have $66. I have to fill catcher, shortstop, utility, and then obviously a bench spot. And I'm not really looking to spend too much at shortstop. If someone of value or a high-end batter is there for me to take, I'll take him. Uh, I'm really looking to spend on possibly that utility spot, or I might go with Noah Syndergaard. You know, I have a pretty good pitching rotation as it is right now. I have Cole, Darvish, Strasburg, 
gallon Flaherty. And then I have kind of a missing position, which uh, Jamison Tyone right now is my final pitcher there. So adding Thor to the mix wouldn't hurt. Um, but we'll see. I, I think the catcher is a really big need for me this year. I lost out last year because I negated the catching position. I also dropped Will Smith far too early in the season when he was on his cold streak. That was a big mistake. So I might allocate a lot of my $66 to the catching position if, say, a JT Real Muto is out there. Also, with my bold predictions, I have Omar Navarez as my number two. I'll see. He's got a great value. I think the team's probably going to keep him. If not, that's a guy I'm going to target. But it'll be interesting. We have teams with a lot of money, as you said, to fill very few positions. It'll be interesting to see how high some of these players go. And I think what we're going to do is probably live stream, do a podcast while we're doing the draft, even though we'll probably be out of the draft and done with our players after about five minutes. But the other way, it'll be exciting. And, um, yeah. So you're not going for starting pitcher at all? Me? Yeah. Mm-mm. I thought you were. You like I mean, me? it's not It's not going to help me. I'm, I, I highly doubt I'm getting any guys with the amount of money I have. But I'm like, I can at least try. <laughs> um, I don't think I'll go for starting pitching. I mean, I my safety you're net. You're better off getting Harper. Better off getting Harper. Um. Valdez and Sale are going to be on my bench or on my IL to start the year, so I'm going to immediately pick up two guys on Monday morning and stash those guys. Presumably, maybe one hitter, one pitcher. We'll see. But yeah, I mean, in all reality, I'm I'm gonna. I said Thor because I Russell listens to this. I want him to think I'm going for Thor. <laughs> Fair enough. I think we're gonna wrap it up for the day, you guys. Pretty good episode. Big time. Bold predictions for me and Richie today. We have those written down, as I had said earlier. We will keep each other accountable throughout the season. Thank you for listening. Remember, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, and we'll see you next time. Take care, guys.